This weekend, I will be up in the northeast at the Riverside Stadium as part of the Camp Lown team, ready to go on Radio Cymru, commentating on the big match between the Bluebirds and Middlesbrough, managed by Swansea City legend Gary Monk. That should be a cracker, so tune in. Also on Saturday, 5 o'clock, S4C Scorio. Big game between Koneski Nomads and Chandidno, a little North Wales Coast derby there. Koneski keeping in touch with TNS, Banger at the top. Chandidno also having a good season, so 5 o'clock with Dolan Ebenezer and the crew ready for a 5.15 kickoff. Make sure you tune in for a bit of football. Sam Ricketts is going as well. Out to Alan Tate. Early crossing. Chance for Ricketts. Stretches. Tidder Jones. Yes! Oh, and Tidder Jones makes it four. He's made the runs all afternoon. Ricketts was superb, as was Britain and Tate. And is finished off by Tidder Jones. Swansea four, Chesterville one. Hi. Welcome, hopefully welcome back to the Longman's Football World podcast with myself, Owain Tidir-Jones. A big thanks to everybody for the response uh, and especially for the feedback from the first episode. This is all a learning curve and I think it's important to get a bit of constructive criticism. It seems that everybody loved the 10, 11, 12 minutes of me chatting away at the start of the first episode. So I look to increase that and give you a little bit more or maybe not cut the bullshit and get into the chat that seemed to be the general consensus so i'm happy to go along with that coming up on episode number two we've got ufc fighter brett johns a real proud welshman uh, i'll have to admit it goes with there's a bit of selfishness to this as well. It goes with a passion of mine, being a big UFC fan. So having met Brett a couple of times, it was a it was a pleasure to be able to sit down with him. Speaks really well uh, and, and get into his mind frame, really. Get to know his sport. Get to know the differences, the similarities between being a professional footballer and, and being a professional fighter. And the main reason I thought it was important to sit down with him is him now being a big, big Welsh national team football fan. Um, he'll be the first to admit he probably jumped on the bandwagon a little bit at Euro 2016. Um, but it's had a big impact on him, a big impact on his career. He went over to watch the Euros with it, with his brother and a, and a few friends and his career was at a bit of a low point. He'd lost a couple of world titles due to weight issues um, and was struggling to know where he was going with it all. And, and we get into it in the chat. Basically, the Welsh national side really inspired him and um, being a, a part of that red wall, um, one of the many supporters. And, and he'll now follow Wales for years to come, I'm, I'm, I'm sure of that. Uh, how, how that inspired him, how what the players achieved on the pitch inspired him. So when he came back from France, um, almost like a new man, and then the opportunity came to, to, to get that. UFC contract, and which he's fighting under right now. Uh, so anybody who enjoys watching other men be punched in the face, or women, jump on. Because that's something that he 
wants. That's something he craves, really. Having seen that red wall get behind the Welsh national team, he thinks, I want a bit of this. And uh, when the Wales public, the Welsh fans have something, have someone to to cheer and get behind, there's, there's not many better. So, you know, get behind him. He's got a fight coming up, start of December. It'd be a... He could could well be a star in the making. So good luck to Brett on that. Uh, anybody who wants to follow him on, on Twitter, his Twitter handle is at 36johns. Uh, get on his website, brettjohnsmma.com, just for the latest, latest updates on his career. Maybe have a little look at buying one of his T-shirts that he's created. But, you know, a, a real good guy to have a little sit down with, get to know him a little bit better, and get into the mind frame of a football fan. Hopefully you enjoy. This is Brett Johns. He likes to tell you if anyone will listen About his seven caps, his chocolate knees, his distinct lack of pace Now it's a long shot Johns, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Nice to be here. It's great. Yeah, it was. Uh, we were trying to try to arrange it for a couple of weeks, somewhere, and yes. uh, something was on the horizon for last week. And then I thought, good plan to have it the day after the Wales game. Thinking yes. we could be here. You know, your diet out the window. <laughs> Forget about your fight coming yeah. up. There'd be beers. There'd be yes. champagne in front of us. Didn't go to plan, did it? Not really. No, it was a bit. Uh... I, I, I was up there last night in Cardiff and uh, after the game I just had about 10 minutes sitting down on my own really and it was um, it was uh, it's quite it was quite a tough pill to swallow really you know we've lost one game in the campaign and uh, the dream is over unfortunately and you are a big fan obviously this is mainly going to be a football podcast but I like to I think it's important to get around different people and stuff I know you're a football fan you're sitting in, in your in your Wales <laughs> training training top and yeah. stuff like that it hurts, doesn't it? You know, we were we were so close. I haven't been I haven't really been invested in other sports for a long time, you know. I'm, I mean emotionally invested. Like, you know, I, I watch rugby, I watch different sports and stuff, you know, and um but it was something about Welsh football that was different, especially in, in France in, in the 2016 Euros. I, I managed to watch almost every game. The only games I missed was England and Slovakia, the first two. I watched every other game. And this campaign I managed to watch like six out of the, the ten games or something like that and uh 
you know, you, you, you dedicate your life to it. We're going to watch it. And obviously, I'm a professional athlete myself, but it, it was it was nice to be the the other side of that. Mm. And, um, yeah, it was a tough pill to swallow last night. Very tough. Do you think you're now, are you properly invested in it? Can you see yourself as a, a Wales travelling fan whenever you can, obviously, around your fights and stuff like that? Is, is that something that's that's in you now? Definitely. I um, I always plan Moldova. I remember watching them at home. Uh, it was like September, beginning of September last year, mm. we were phoning in Cardiff, and uh, I always said, I said to my brother, we are going away to Moldova next year. I, don't, I will book my fights around going yeah. away with Wales, not the other way around, the way it should be. And I was lucky enough to do that. Like, Georgia away was another one where I wanted to go, but that's where camp started, and... Uh, like good thing I didn't go. My brothers come back and they were quite a mess when they come back. They were all hungover and stuff. And the the guys that we go away with, they're a good group of guys as well who who are the same really, who love the sport and stuff. And um, like I said, I was never good at football. I remember playing like when I was younger. I was in, I was in uh, I used to play goalkeeper, but there's only uh, I was five foot six in full size goals. Only so long that dream was gonna last. And um, now nah, it was um, it, it's amazing. I just love the the. I think what I find the best thing about the football going away is the the way that the Welsh fans are out there. You know, we have got a really good fan base, and the guys out there are amazing, friendly people. Like Moldova, I honestly had the time of my life out there, and it's it's time of affair because everybody's come to me and they were wishing me all the best of the fight. But it was nice to be that guy and for once take a step from that being a professional sort of sportsman to being. Just like everybody else, really, you know. Will you have a few drinks when you go on the trips? I did. I did in Moldova. Yeah, I did. I had a, a few beers in Moldova, and I, 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 it's for me to really relax. Like last night, it was amazing, but I think it'd be a lot better if I was drinking and having a laugh. But um, like I said, unfortunately, sometimes I have to kind of put a lid on it. And uh, like last night was a was was a perfect example. You know, it was. I remember watching Austria, and I, I, I hardly remember half the game. The only time, the only bit of the game I remember was Ben Wilburn scoring. And that was it. You yeah. know, and then. Uh, I remember being in Cardiff. It was about three o'clock in the morning. I had a few beers then, and uh, I was. The next thing I knew, I was was in a club in Cardiff, and then blinked. I was in Cardiff Airport going to Moldova. So um, I do enjoy going away, and I do. I do. Like I said, I, I want to put everything in it. So I, I wouldn't go away unless I could drink, you know, and yeah. could dedicate my time to that, you know. But um, yeah, it's, it's probably a release for you from the stresses of training, you know, and get into into that later. What what sort of things you do? But it's a stressful job. Um, you know what's coming up. You have to prepare for to fight one one guy, one guy only. I guess if you have that hobby, and it seems to be maybe football, it takes your mind off it, doesn't it? Oh, definitely. You know, mentally, it's well. I say I say this on my sport. I, I've never been a professional footballer. I've never been a professional footballer. I've never been professional anything other than MMA. And I understand that the mental side of it can get really tough. And um, Unfortunately, for my job, and it's not—it's not for me to say, oh, look, my my sport is a little bit harder than everybody else's or whatever. But there's a, there's a handful of things I have to worry about. It's not just turning up and playing football, or playing rugby. I got to think, okay, I'm, you know, I, I got to be on weight in, in eight weeks' time, and like like for example, now we got seven and a half weeks. I'm probably about seventy one kilos. I got about ten kilos to go until I make my weight, you know, mm. and that's that's the first battle. And then and then after you you go through a traumatic traumatic experience of trying to lose that weight. You know, like the last like twenty four hours before the weigh-ins, I'm about seven or eight pounds over, and I got I lose that last seven or eight pounds, and then after you do that, your body's going through this horrible experience, and t- twenty four hours later, then you go step in the cage, and then you do the actual thing that you you signed up to do, and that's fight. To to anybody who's listening who who doesn't quite understand, you know, mixed martial arts, you're now contracted with the UFC, which is like the Premier League of of mixed martial arts. Um, the weight cut. 
is something that is so fascinating to me because being from a football background where everything you do is is built around being at your best, at your peak on match day. So everything you eat, everything you drink during the week, you know, is supposed to build you up, make you stronger. Whereas you guys, you have to cut weight a ridiculous amount, some of you, um, so that you weigh in 24 hours before you fight. 24 hours before you get punched in the head, basically, you're supposed to dehydrate yourself severely. And I think it's bad for you, isn't it? You because you have to cut quite a bit. I'm I, I'm I feel like I'm one of the uh, towards the bigger side of my bigger sides towards my weight. There's a lot of small guys in my weight category. There's a lot of very big guys in my weight category, and I feel like personally I'm on the more like medium to big ratio. And um, yeah, I have in the past. You know, I've won two world titles in this game, and I've lost two world titles in this game because of my weight issues. I've never lost as a professional MMA fighter. You know, I'm 14 wins with no losses. As an amateur, I was five wins, no losses. I even did a stint of a kickboxing bout and won that. Yeah. But the weight cut was the biggest issue. And not only like physically, but mentally, you know. I remember the, the first time I failed weight was I fought uh, a guy called James Brum in Swansea for Cage Warriors. was main event. I was meant to be defending my title for the first time. And I woke up the morning before the weigh-ins. And this was when I didn't know how to do it properly. And um, I had about four kilos to go. I was about eight pounds. And I had to do it in a in a space of like seven eight hours that morning, and it was to the point where I was carried on the skills. So what will you do? Um, so basically, it, it all starts from a week out. Yeah. So it doesn't start like day before the the weigh-ins. It starts from a week out, and the week out I drop carbohydrates completely. Um, there's no carbs whatsoever, but also along with that, there's no salt because salt will retain water, you know. And um, so they're the two big things, the big no-nos, the week, week of a weight cut. And um, in America, it's so much easier to go and get the things you need. It's, a, it's such an amazing country on, on behalf of like, food and trying to eat healthy. But in America, you can, you can eat really healthy or really bad. You know, there, there's, there's two different types of ways you can look at it. And, um, but like here back home, it's very difficult to find distilled water, for example. You know, they say smart water is the best thing to do. And that's what I usually do drink. Yeah. I'll drink eight liters. So I'll drink eight liters on like the Sunday. It's the same way on the Friday. Yeah. I will drink eight, start my water loading process on the Sunday. There's no salt, no carbs, and eight liters of water a day. So I do Monday, Tuesday, uh, I will be drinking eight liters. No, sorry, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, eight liters. Mm. Four Wednesday, one Thursday, and then, but like th I say one Thursday, it's one Thursday before nine o'clock because 24 hours before the weigh in, then I'll stop my water. And food. But like, and then you have to get that water out of your system. Yes, yes. Because that's the best way. Because you put so much in you that you, you're flushing your system out. And then um, on behalf of food, I don't I don't have food from about the Tuesday before. I'll, I'll live off about protein shakes and um, diet whey protein shakes. So there's no carbs, no, it's just protein in them. And I'll only do about two of them a day. So like uh, I don't eat the week of the way. And I, I know a lot of like nutritionists. I've, I've recently just had, took another guy on board that does my like nutrition and stuff. And he just went, how are you doing this way? How are you surviving on this way? But I, I, before that, when I was saying I was struggling to wake up, I was trying to copy everybody else's way of doing it. Yeah. But everybody else's body is different than mine, you know? And uh, I found my way of doing it. And people will disagree about the way I do it, but it's the way that I do it. It's the way that I perform after doing it. And at the end of the day, I win fights by doing the same way. So I'm going to keep doing it until I find an easier way of doing it. The, the water thing is interesting because 
playing football, we, we have to stay hydrated, had to stay hydrated. So I'd always be known, like my friends back home, they know me as a guy, I've always got a bottle of water in my hand, mm. always, all the time, but it's hard, it's discipline. So you're talking there, eight liters a day. I, I've had a career drinking a lot of water, that, that's mental. Yeah. You know, I'm, we're talking, trying to get through two liters a day is a lot, isn't it? And we knew before training, generally, depends on the club, we'd get tested for hydration. And the, the general idea would be, we get tested, urine urine tests, so you'd have a you'd have a piss in the morning before training, that'd get tested. The the idea is if someone is dehydrated they can pull you out of training. Never happens, right? Never happens. But sometimes you'd tell yourself, I'd wake up in the middle of the night thinking, oh, I, I need to drink some water to make sure I my hydration's okay in the morning. Sometimes you don't want to drink water in the night, you know? So in the morning, sometimes before a hydration test at different clubs, you get fined if you were over a certain amount. Lads are just having a little piss, maybe ha fill half the bottle, and then they're in the sink, just filling up with water, just to make sure they don't get fined, you know? So that, that eight, eight litres to me, that's some discipline, isn't it? It, it is, and um, but like, that's what I'm saying about the, the, the two litre thing. Sometimes you, you struggle to drink two litres. I always have my girlfriend, like she, she on about, she was to lose weight, and I say like, just drink plenty of water. Like every day now, I'll drink, even up, I have done all year. I've drunk four. I drink four liters of water a day. You know, four liters is enough. And sometimes, don't get me wrong. Some days I don't make that mark, or some days I go over that mark. But yeah. that's the mark I try to aim for. Just to keep hydrated, because like I said, I train three times a day, and uh, you obviously sweat profusely in them sessions, and just putting putting that water back in your system. And only that I find on, on losing weight is a big thing. Yeah. You know, you're not drinking. Like I said, I will. As, you, as I got you, I have got a, a fizzy drink with me. I do drink fizzy fizzy drinks, but they're completely sugar-free fizzy drinks. I'll drink like a Coke Zero, anything with no sugar, and I will drink, but not like, I'll have one a day. I won't take the mickey with it, you know what I mean? And um, But I'll always drink four litres of water on top of that. That's not included in my okay. intake, you know? And then obviously, um, it stops you snacking as well. That's Because it makes you feel full. That's, I'm not playing now, but I'm travelling. I'm travelling a lot, up and down, and... The amount of snacks you get through is incredible. I tell myself, next time I'm traveling down south, just just take a big bottle of water and drink water. Before you know, it's a pack of sweets, it's three packs of crisps, but gone. Even, even me, though, I, I, I struggle with the same thing. I, you know, I, I, I got a team of guys that I uh, that, that follow me, and um, I follow them as well, you know. So, like, this weekend, I've gone to Newport, and we're going to watch the guys at Newport. It's not too bad in Newport, because they've recently just put a Nando's there. So, it's not too bad. So, we've got all the fighters. You should see it after weigh-ins yeah. in, in the UK. Like you'd wake up on weigh-in day, and like even like Scotland and Belfast, uh, the ones like the last fights I did, you'd make weigh-ins, and the next minute you'd walk through Nando's and it'd just be filled full of cauliflower ears and chicken. <laughs> and um, you turn up, and I got that's, that's basically the go-to food. But in America, they don't have that, you know. And um, I was talking to a guy in the MGM when I went on holidays, my girlfriend, and he, he works behind the bar in the MGM arena, basically around the corner from the MGM inside the actual hotel. Yeah. And he said the amount of people he saw walk in there and then the next day they turn up and they would look completely different, a lot fuller for that way, you know. Yeah. He said he saw Matt Serra there before now. He'd be cooking food for all them guys, Joe Rogan. And yeah. it was... Because, I don't know, with with me, I, I've been in Vegas twice this year. I got, obviously, the fight schedule at the end of the year. It's like a second home now. It's a crazy old place and I, I love that place. But, um, but it's always easier to find food out there and stuff. And uh, that's, that's why we wanted to choose Vegas for this next one, for the States because we know where I've been there before I know where a lot of places are 
and I feel comfortable. Like I don't like leaving home. I like where I live. It's a, it's a it's a shit all. It's my shit all, you know. And um, it's 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 so easy. I I know I don't like change, but I've been to Vegas a few times now, and I think right, okay, I, I'll be I'll be comfortable going out there now, you know. And it's also the fight capital of the world. Oh, that's that's one of the big things for me. It's like I I had my, my boxing idol was Joe Calzaghe. I never actually had the privilege of watching any of his fights uh, live. Obviously, I've watched them now. We've watched them all now, you know. Okay. Fights from, like, Je- uh, Jeff Lacey to yeah. Miguel Kessler to Bernard Hopkins to Roy Jones Jr. Believe it or not, I actually met Roy Jones Jr. before I met Calzaghe. Right. You know? That's an interesting story, that is. That was, like, I was fighting in Alabama. It was my first um, stateside fight. I was fighting a UFC veteran, Wild Watson, who was a decent guy who fought really good guys in the UFC. He fought, he fought TJ Dillashaw, okay. who's, the, the I think he's fighting for the belt next, actually, yeah. back my bag against Cody Garbrandt. I was fighting him out there and um, I was fighting. I remember looking over and then caught, it just caught my eye through the cage. I thought, that that looks like Roy Jones. And I looked over and it was. It was him commentating the fight and stuff. So um, I managed to have a chat with him after that fight. But yeah, but like I said, Vegas is the fight capital of the world. And I would obviously, my, my ambition is just to get my. I got, I got a little bucket list. I got a separate bucket list that I want to follow things that are non fight related. And then I got yeah. my bucket list for fighting. Obviously, it's Vegas, which is the dreams come true. And the next one will be MSG, Madison Square Garden. So that one's on the 4th of November this year, so it won't be this year. But then hopefully, you know, I'll do Vegas then next year sometimes. There's a couple of guys in that division that I'd like to fight. You know, Aljamain Sterling's actually from there, so that would be a big fight, you know. Kazagi was the boy, wasn't he? I, he was a uh, class. I know? went to one of his fights. Um, it was the Jeff Lacey one, actually. I, I think I'd just signed for Swansea. And he, I think it was 2005 he fought Jeff Lacey. And I remember the buzz. Was that in Manchester? I think it was in Manchester. We did. Yeah. I, I didn't watch that one live, but I remember the buzz. Everyone looking forward to the fight, and then everyone watched it. And that was like the the start of me really getting into boxing yeah. at the time, before I got into into MMA. And um, he was just a boy. You know, he fought at the Millennium Stadium. Went to watch him against um, Peter Manfredo. Yes. Yeah. Did he win the Contender series? He, yeah, I watched the Contender series, yeah. and then obviously he was a name then that I was familiar with. And, just wasn't on Calzaghe's level at all. No. Fought Kessler at the Millennium and stuff like that. But yeah, just an amazing sport. I I met Joe Calzaghe at a Cardiff Devils game. Right. Uh, got tickets, I think, through my dad and went there. And I remember meeting him and somebody introduced him as uh, to, uh, introduced me to him as, as a Welsh footballer. And he asked, oh, who'd you play for the under-19s? And I was like, well, no, it's the senior team, actually, but you know, obviously I wasn't was a, a, a well-known guy. But um, yeah, it's always nice for you to have somebody like that to look back on because Wales is a country, probably boxing less so than MMA. MMA is new, isn't it? You know, it's this big, it's very popular, but sort of not on a mainstream level in this country yet, is it? No, not at all. Um, that's the, and I think that's the... The big thing about getting signed, getting signed, you know, going back to the days where, look, I'm, before I even started, it, it was in nightclubs and pubs around the around Wales, and uh, I actually got into MMA because because my best friend Kyle, I was saying about the, my my judo career, and my best mate Kyle was like one of the main guys who, I didn't go to the Olympics, I wasn't the best in my, I wasn't the best in Wales, I wasn't the best in Wales, I wasn't the best in my gym. There was a guy called Kyle Davis who was my best friend who wore glasses and older brother. Yeah, he was in my weight. He was better, a lot better. And um, he he did MMA at that time, and uh, I remember being like, I think I must have been about 13, 14. And I remember thinking, yeah, I, w- I want to do that. That's what I want to do. But ever ever since that moment, obviously, I didn't start training MMA until about sixteen, seventeen. Then you know, and um, it's something in my mind that sets me off. And 
back then it was just unheard of and the people who were representing the game were thugs and yeah. you know drug dealers and and that infuriated me really because I'm I'm not like a violent person I've never been in trouble before with any sort of police or anything like that and um, it was a sport that I knew I could that's what I was saying about the time I could transfer over and I thought you know I could really be a good good name and only that changed people's opinion about the sport because it was human cockfighting back then Yeah, and I started obviously the MMA and I started getting big fights and we got obviously to the what my first ever what was the first Welsh guy to win a world title then I went up to the States was the first ever Welsh guy to go to the States and win a world title and then it was like what was the next step and I'll be honest with you for after the Watson fight I had a fight in Kansas City I lost my belt weight issue again it's only the two times this happened but it was bad because it was the fight after I won the world title so I I got stripped of two belts and then it was a year and a half off because my, I had shoulder surgery the year after. I put on a lot of weight. And, and at that time, i got to be honest, that was the point where I was like, look, this is it. And that's when the Euros come around, the football. Okay. And I was out there. My coach was really worried about me. He was like, look, I don't think he's going to come back. He's just like, you know, he's out there watching the football. I was really, um, I wouldn't say, de- I wouldn't say depressed. I was, I was, on behalf of fighting, yeah, it was a terrible year. I, I was struggling. And then the Euros come around and my brother paid for the whole trip. But going out there, put a fire in me, and I was looking at all the Welsh fans, and I know, like, looking at that, like, the football, I know it's a lot popular than MMA or whatever, but I can see the fans there. I watch old clips of Joe Calzaghi fighting, like like we said, and I'd see the fans there, and I know it's something that, it's like a little niche that, the, the Welsh fans will follow, you know, they yeah. will. But that's what I mean, and they only need a guy to represent, and, and since then, the UFC, yes, yeah, it's, it's taken off here, it has, but it's, Still brand new, you know. Like, you know, I've dedicated almost ten years to this game. You know, it surprised me last night because I had to sit down, I was having a chat with a guy, and I thought, wow, yeah, it's nearly been ten years I've been doing this game for. And it's nice now that to see, I feel like it's the reward of of years and years of hard work. So the con- the UFC contract came about after the Euros. It came, yes, it came. Um, actually, I watched. I went to Moldova, home. Then yeah. we went to watch Austria away. Okay. But then they drew to all. And then it was like a week or two after than that. So okay. I was, a week before my UFC debut, I was drunk. Three weeks before. Yeah. Sorry, I was drunk. And that was like something, I got my little like plan. I don't get drunk. Like, I don't drink alcohol then, sorry. Um, up to eight weeks before a fight. So anything, if it, it hit the eight week mark, nothing. It's strictly training. Yeah. I remember the, the UFC called. I was. I must have been drunk the week before, something silly like that. It was like the week before, no, sorry, the week before getting the call. Right. Do you want to fight Quan O'Quack in three weeks in Belfast? I'm like, oh, well, yeah, I, I was lucky because at that time I signed up for a K1 contest just yeah. to get back in there. And I was 70 kilos anyway, so I was on my fighting weight, sort of. Not on my actual fighting weight, but where I start my cut from. And I was like, well, I don't, you can't basically say turn it down, you know? Because originally, people don't know this, Ross Pearson, his opponent, yeah. pulled out the, I think it was like that, that, three weeks before. And Stevie Ray took his place. But I originally put my name down to fight Ross Pierce in two way categories up. Yeah, okay. Because of like it was like for me it was at that point where it was like I'm I'm twelve and 0 I've won two world titles, and they haven't. That's all they've I've had was yeah keep doing what you're doing and you'll get there. Yeah. And it was just like well okay I'm not getting in there so I'm gonna have to take a risk and it was fighting Ross Pierce in a lightweight you know what <laughs> I mean I wasn't I was probably just under the lightweight mark you know I remember my manager phoning my my coach Chris and he's like well wait is Brett and he's like why 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 and he's like well because of you know, Ross Pearson's opponents pulled out. Is he is he big? Is he what 160, 165? I was 155 soaking wet, which is about 70 kilos. And the fight would be at 70 kilos. 
So you go Ross Piercy, cutting 10 kilos to get down to that weight and going back up. And I'd be there, just standing on the scales, fighting and then fighting at the same weight. But that's what you were willing to do, I was, just to get that contract. I was willing to do that. I was willing to take an absolute beating, like because Ross Pearson is a, is a tough fight for anybody. Yeah. I would, I would have, I would have taken that fight. Yeah. And I would have, I would try. I'm not. I wouldn't have gone there to try and lie down either. Though I would have gone there to try and win. But I was, I was willing to do that. And I felt like the UFC saw that and thought, wow, this kid will actually do anything to get you. And then on the same show, they they offered us another fight. They said, look, how what, how will you fight this guy Quano Quack in th- in three weeks? And I don't think I know understood. Like, he's going through a bit of a downward, like not. He's going through a bit of a slope in his career at the minute. You know, he, he signed the UFC. He was a two-time world champion, just like me. He was the number one prospect in Southeast Asia, and uh, they said, "How about you two fight?" And I like that because it's like I look at the UFC. Like in my opinion, like Morales and Morales was a really good opponent, but, but Quack was was different. You know. Yeah. They give us the crack fight, and I wasn't going to say no. You know, I, I'm, I, I truly believe I'm one of the best in the world of what I do. And you can't, as as one of the best fights, you can't be turned down fights. Yeah. I wasn't going to turn it down. And um, obviously in Belfast, it kind of worked in my favour. And it, I don't know, it was one of the fights I had a lot of stick before the UFC of being kind of a boring fighter. Okay. But that fight it just went. Uh, I'm not sure if anybody's seen the fight. Yeah, it yeah. just went. It went nuts. I like remember, you know. Yeah. You're disappointed. You didn't get the. Uh the bonus <laughs> oh, that's big I, bucks in it I'm fishing for that bonus at the minute even Glasgow I was um, I was fishing for the bonus but um, the, the 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 Belfast fight was a lot closer I thought because I thought it was a really good fight yeah. potentially in line of fight of the night but the UFC have a choice see they, they give out four bonuses so usually it's performance of the night two performance of the night sorry and then the fight of the night to the winner and loser so I thought right okay I'm, I'm I'm looking through the fight card now and I'm going, okay, that wasn't as good as my fight. Well, oh, wait, that was a finish. Okay, you get performance tonight. And uh, they, at the end of the night, I thought, right, you know, 50K, just rub my hands together. Yeah, to explain, it's 50 grand, isn't it's it? It's 50K, you know, you know it's $50,000. And to, like I said, you know, I don't, as a, as a fighter, I don't get paid half that amount, you know what I mean? So that money is a, is a lot of money. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it just turned, it turned out and they, they just handed out four performances because they can do that, you can change it up. So it was devastating, but then again, it was, it's a lot more money than what I was getting because people didn't understand it. I fought James Brown in Swansea, main event, world title defense. It was a big show. Sold the place of single handedly and got paid £2,000 that lasted me a year. Yeah. People thought it was like, oh, like he's your world champion. You know? That's it, yeah. You know, I'm not like, I wasn't like Floyd Mayweather, I wasn't like Conor McGregor, I wasn't like them guys, you know. I got paid £2,000. I, 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 that, that was at the hardest point in my career after that fight. We'd, uh, we didn't sign with Titan FC until later on that year. So yeah. we went through the whole, like that, 2015. No, 2014, sorry. That whole year, not knowing what was going on. I sold my car. Uh, for like a, I, remember, I remember that story particularly because I love my cars. And I was, I was driving on a Peugeot 106 1.1 Independence. I just, it was a car. I love getting from A to B, you know what I mean? I have independence when I got a car. And um, I had to sell my car for £100 to basically live that, that extra couple of... Uh, extra couple of months and the point was was my car was on a breakdown and I didn't have funds to fix it Yeah. so I sold my car and then I was struggling I had no money I mean to the point where like I said in previous interviews I, I didn't have money to buy a bus ticket to get home so some nights my mother be working sometimes she'd pick me up most of the she couldn't because she good for your cardio keep your weight down jog home well jog home yeah you know I just, it was him for, unfortunately where I'm from is about it's like a 20-30 minute car ride you know Yeah. and uh, it'd be jogging back home every day but um 
some days I say to Chris, I'd say, Chris, the other night, can I stay in the gym on the night? And it wasn't, a, it wasn't a, back then, the gym's been done up now, but back then there wasn't a safe place to stay. Yeah. You know, my, my bed was two uh, leather couches pushed together. And I remember this one story because there was a sky box in the gym and uh, I used to click on sky and it was like sky, obviously loads of channels there, but it was a sky card thing. Okay. And I, I'd, I'd, I'd be a sucker for it every time. I turn it on, I go, oh wow, the Simpsons on Sky One, click on it, and then say you have to insert your Sky card. And I just remember thinking, well, what, why why did you put it on there if I can't yeah, use yeah. it? And I stay I stayed there for a few weeks, you know. Um, it was the winter. We had no, we got heat in the gym now. There was no heat in there when I was there. You know, and um it, it'd be a quite a scary environment because like where I where you'd have to walk downstairs and turn the lights off and then run upstairs and it's okay. a big massive gym, it start quickly. The toilets are downstairs in the back of the the back of the gym. And that, yeah, that, 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 that point was just, but even then, I knew that, that the dream was still in my head. You know, it was, you got to be realistic in sport, in any sport. There's a couple of fighters out there that I'd love to say, look, you know, this isn't going to be for you. That's it. It's so hard to tell someone that because I'm in the same, I'm in the same boat as them. And I, I, I had a dream and I wanted to get that dream. Yeah. But sometimes it was... You know, like then I knew I could get there, but like other guys are still trying to push and it's just not there, like, you know. So for you, you even now probably, you get paid for your, you get paid for your fight, yeah? So you, you obviously have to turn up to, to make that money, but it's not life-changing money. It's, you know, it's X amount. It's going to keep you ticking over, needs to pay for your training, needs to pay for your, your life. Do you rely on a little bit of sponsorship here and there. I mean, we're sitting here in the Bridge Inn, who I know have been good to you, good to the gym and stuff like that. The Bridge Inn is a place I used to come when I lived in Hyanachi. used to come here for food, good Sunday roast here. Yeah. Um, but I know they, they've been good, so do you rely, rely on that money? Uh, to be honest, the, the, the side of sponsorship money, it, 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 it's, I don't have any sponsors at the minute. You know, this is, this. the bridge is something for, for me just to just say the story. It was like, it was back when I was fighting for Titan. I'd signed for an American promotion and I thought, right, here comes the big bucks. It was the exact same pay as what I had for Cage Warriors. The bridge helped me out when nobody else would. And, um, you know. Is that for training equipment and stuff yeah, as opposed to just, money in your pocket? Well, it was, no, it was, it was, it was, it was money. It was money for, like, it was, it, they gave me money and then I would, you know, I would obviously pay my, my mother rent then. It would be towards like the gym, towards kit, towards food, towards protein, towards anything like that. Yeah. Because you, I'd only get paid like, you know, like £2,000 or £2,500 I think I got for the for the Titan FC fight. And I'm more for, for world titles here, you know what I mean? And the bridge were the guys who helped me out then when I needed help. I don't need to, obviously I still need help now but I didn't need help so much now yeah and it was like so I always give back to Jonathan you and the guys you because like I said at my worst they were there yeah I guess okay as a as a sponsorship now it's like I'll come here and promote the place because of because it's a favour it's loyalty you know that's one of my biggest my, my best attributes is my loyalty I've you know, they helped me out when I needed help, and I'll help them back now in, 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 in my way and just promoting them in any sort of way I can. And obviously, as a little plug, the bridge in is in Llangenach, yeah. near Llanachy, for anybody passing. Um, we talk about the football thing, and I think you make a good point that if, if fans in Wales of anything, I mean, however many turn up for a football game, not all of those people are going to be interested in MMA. 
But if you get a handful, if you get a, a good group of people following, give them a reason to follow, they're, they're very loyal. And I've thought the UFC is very different to football. You know, from a media point of view, you have to sell yourself. You know, you sell yourself as much as possible, and I think you're doing a good job. You've embraced the Welsh language. It's, it's weird for us to speak English together because yeah, we, we yeah. both speak Welsh. And I think that is so important to get people on side, whereas footballers can be cagey because they don't have to do those interviews. They don't have to sell themselves. But you said you were inspired by the Euros. This Wales team, they've done something different, haven't they? They've done something special to to bring the nation together and, and I just hope that that doesn't change after after that island result yeah no I, it's, it's one of them things isn't it? have they have they inspired you as opposed to just the fans and watching the fans the, you know that that team yeah the, the team has it, it always has you know especially with the Belgium game when I was there and I'm, like I said I'll be honest to the people I am I haven't always been a big football supporter it was more like the Euro campaign and people do mad. I remember the, the when they went out to Cyprus and I remember watching a video of the Welsh guys out in Cyprus and they were all in the pool singing Cal and Lan. I remember that. And it, I just like that sort of like family environment that everybody's got there. And um, the team though, I watched that team in Belgium. We playing like, well, I think it was like the second in the world or something mm. silly like that. Yeah. We got one nil down. And I can, I can honestly say, I thought, you know, at the time there, it was still something in the crowd I was saying, you can still get this, you know. And the, and the boys pushed on. The boys pushed on, pushed on. They well, they, they started that game, Belgium were popping it about, oh. scored an unbelievable goal. Everyone had to be thinking, oh shit, yeah. we're, in, we're in a bit of trouble. Well, that's what I said. I, I, you know, it was like a feeling. I remember looking at the boy next to me and thinking, this is going to be a long night if we mm. don't change something up. I remember that. But you still push, you know. And that's why I took a mentality of that game, just that game in particular, really. And it doesn't matter how... For a fight scenario, putting the same sort of fight scenario, you've lost the first round, for example, then you've got to go and win the next two. It didn't matter to Wales that they were 1 0 done, they were still pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And that the actual game inspired me hell of a lot. So I remember watching that game in that stadium in Lille, and it was like three quarters full of Belgium. Three it was on the border, yeah, when it? it was on the border of, of Belgium. And um, I remember watching that game, and, and I took a lot of like thing out of it. At the time, I wasn't going through a good phase in training, it was the time when I was off my shoulder or whatever. But I remember watching that game, watching the the fight, the good fight they gave, like you know. And like I'm a person that likes to, I love watching them fights where some guys get beaten up and they come back and win. Yeah. And it was this, it was the equivalent in football. And I remember when Volk scored the header, the last goal. I I didn't even celebrate that time. I think I sat on the step and cried my eyes out because it was just such an emotional thing. And and the way the the crowd connect with the football players is a big thing. Like yesterday, it was we lost. 1-0. And I remember, I think it was Gunther was walking in the side and clapping people. And the response that he had after the game, we just lost our chance to get in the World Cup. And he was saying, like, I don't think that Wales are going to have a problem with losing fans, you know what I mean? It's, it, it, they bring an issue. I, and I've had the time of my life watching the boys, I really have, you know. And for me, it was, if I didn't have the football there, I'd be struggling now as, in, like, as a person, like with training and with work. Yeah. You can understand that people work 9-5 to five jobs Monday to Friday, and this football is something else. Like it's something for them to to, to look. And that's what I mean. If about me being the, that's my time to be a normal person. All week I'm not yeah. a normal person. I'm not. And then on the weekend or like last night, I got to be a normal person. And it was it's big for me. And yeah. to watch the boys and it was nice. To, it's nice to see these guys and be, and be um be a fan of theirs. You no, know, I'm. Yeah, yeah. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And I think what's. What's different about these or this squad 
is it's genuine. You know, I've been a part of teams where you go and clap the crowd, you don't mean it. The crowd have been hammering you and you go over and clap because the manager's told you to go and clap. Um, you know, you, you might meet fans and you shake their hand and, you, and you're being polite and stuff, but you know deep down this guy's been hammering me on the weekend. So there's an element in the back of your mind that you're thinking, piss off, mate. Yeah. You know, whereas these, fan, these fans, I know, you know when you see something genuine and it has been special and hope, hopefully that hopefully that's something that will stay because, you know, that Island game, it's, it's a huge, huge blow. Yeah. But I think... You know, you look at the ages of the team; they, they they can go again. You know. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, obviously. Uh, I think is it later on next year or the next campaign starts after Russia? I think next is it September? It'll be. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, it's it's not, it's not too far away because I think last night they felt like that the next campaign was so far away. It is, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that's what it feels like. You know, it's like what's going to be now. It's going to be four four and a half years until until the next World Cup. We always got the Euros there, and it's not too long until I got to wait. I got a year and a half. It's going to be longer enough, don't get me wrong, but um, it's something else to look forward to, you know. Like, that's what I'm trying to say, what the, what the, the games in Cyprus and the games in, like, uh, is, is it Israel mm. they played? They were games, like, you know, they were called, they, that's the best part for me, you know. France was amazing, but the, the games beforehand, like, this campaign was amazing, you know, mm. and um, I think people need to take a step back. We lost one game. Lost one, one game. game, you know, and that was it. Like, um, do you know, like the disappointment you haven't your in your chosen career, you haven't felt you haven't lost. You haven't felt what those players felt going yeah. into that dressing room last night. They haven't felt it in a whale shirt for a long time. <laughs> Obviously, you don't want that, but sometimes these little knockbacks can not make you stronger, but you know, you you grow from negative experiences sometimes. What you, what you just said now was what the conversation I had with my coach today. He's not, a, he's not a football fan. In fact, he hates football. Um, but I, I felt like, better in my, in my career, on behalf of like, like obviously fighting in a cage, I've never lost. But I have lost a lot of things. Yeah. I lost 67% of my judo fights. I lost football games. I remember one football game, I was 16 years old. I was playing, no, I was 13 years old. We were playing in 60, we played against a 16-year-old Dutch side. They beat us 24-1. And I mean, this is football, not rugby. And you were in goal. And I was in goal, <laughs> you know. And every goal, it was the same thing. He used to cross the midfielder, he'd run down the wing, he'd knock her in, and then the six foot four strike would there, he'd rip past me every single time. I lost as a kid, and I knew how that felt. And yes, you're right, the last few years, I haven't lost a lot of things. I did a grappling tournament about two years ago, and I lost. Uh, I got knee barred in like the fight for bronze, really. And it was against a good guy. I went, bear in mind, you got like belts in jiu-jitsu. And you only do the competitions that your belt category. You, you, so, for example, if I'm a purple belt, I got the purple belt category, which I am. And I remember the, the competition was it was like purple belt, but there was nobody in my way category. So I said, you know what? Give it a risk. My coach said the same. We got the black belt. We got the best belt, and we'd see what the the competition. Like. We had a good day. I lost my two fights and lost for bronze. And I tell you what, it was just grappling. Yeah. But that hit me hard, really hard. I remember my mate Aiden. He, he said to him, it didn't really bother him. It wasn't MMA. Didn't care. I lost. But for me. Competitive. I, I lost, and I was, the, and last night, watching the football, I felt the same. I wasn't involved. I, I didn't play. I didn't play. I was, on the, I was on, but it felt like I lost. Yeah. As if it was me playing, I lost. So the disappointment we all felt, it would be absolutely nothing to what they felt. Yeah, I could see it. I've seen a little bit um, of criticism straight on the final whistle. Um, Ash, the captain, yeah, went down the tunnel. And I could see it in his eyes. I, you know, I've roomed with Ash. I've, I've, I was close with Ash at Swansea with Wales squads. He was absolutely devastated, you know. 
because he's he's played a part in in the goal that Ireland have scored. Um, Hendrick has, has won possession from Ash trying to clear the ball. Devastated. You know, you're talking about one of the most competitive guys that we've ever had in a Wales shirt, and then you get you get people criticise him because he hasn't come out and clapped. Sometimes you've got to think past that. You know, that that guy's hurting right now. This is the guy who's who spent weeks away from his family, who spent and not only like on, on, on like for Wales, you know, but in it with each obviously with Everton now and that. These guys spend a lot of time away from their families. They dedicate their life to us, and you know, as fans, I think fans neglect that sort of thought, they? where they're not look, they're looking as fans, they're not looking as competitors, and yeah. like yeah, you know, at the end of the day, it, it was one little mistake that cost us last night. Small margins in high level sport, isn't it? But like. What what gives us the you know if he wanted to walk in and have a cry or whatever what, exactly you know why 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 have we got to say anything about that you know these guys have dedicated their life to it like yes we so people argue that the, the fans dedicate their life to watching them but they're not training it's not the same is you it? know it's not the because same I was saying before the game last night what reaching a World Cup would mean to all of us yeah so but none of us grow up wanting to watch a World Cup game mm-hmm. if you're a football fan none of us grow up wanting to watch Wales play in the World Cup. You grew up wanting to play for Wales in the World Cup, you know, and that's the opportunity they had. We we wanted to see Wales in Russia. We wanted to go out to Russia, watch the games. It would have been, it would have been incredible. But those players, the the, the feeling that they will have now is. Oof. But I guess maybe not in this this instance. Talking more in your in your world, sometimes a defeat keeps you humble. To be so close to something amazing. Yeah. If you put yourself in a position where you're fighting and you know win this fight and you're fighting for the belt next and you lose, yeah, maybe it'll keep you humble, but ah, uh, it's gonna hurt, isn't it? Well, like I said, it, it, that's 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 the stories for most cases in MMA. We all aim for the same thing. That's to win a UFC belt. That is the World Cup. That that is you know the, the main goal. Yeah. And for me to take a loss, I know. I'm not a bad loser. I never was as a kid. I was never a bad loser. My my brothers were terrible, but I wasn't too bad. But like growing up now, and the difference in winning and losing, not just mentally but financially, is a big thing, you know. And um, you know, I don't do this for the money. I do this for the pride, and I do this because I do this for, for example, for last night walking into the toilet half time and getting swarmed by people just wanting a photo. Just and, and the majority, I believe, are all from North Wales. You know what I mean? And they're yeah. they, they great, they great fans. And I do it for that. And I love, and I love the attention. I'm not gonna lie, but I do love the attention. I love the people come up to me. I love the chats I have. And I got time for every single person. But I want to keep that going. Of course, I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose that. And this is this is what goes on to me. But the, the people when they retire and they are sports athletes that retire and they find it difficult because it's not the same sort of like buzz and. That's for me. That's why I'm, I always plan ahead, and I, I plan things I've wanted to do. I was telling you saying earlier about my bucket lists, things I want to do. My bucket list on behalf of MMA. I want. I want to. I want to win a world title. I want to. I'd like to go into commentary. I like to do all this different thing. And then I got other bucket lists I want to do as well. And um, you know, it's 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 a, it's a massive thing, and, and to lose would would jeopardize all that. Yeah, because for you to make, for you to get that other bucket list ticked off. Maybe it, it depends on finance and success yeah, does, in, yeah. in your chosen field. And funny enough, I was speaking for for the podcast with Lee Trundle last week, and he's still playing, still scoring for Kenneki. Yeah. He's forty years old, and I asked him. You know, I know him. He loves football, loves the ball at his feet. But it's an ego thing as well. I think we've all got an ego, and his is 
that he's not ready for that conversation with fans of remembering the goal he scored 10 years ago. He wants them to still be that goal you scored on the weekend because it's on Twitter or whatever from Fianachi, you know? I bet that's very difficult, you know? I understand that on it'd be the same thing for for fighting, but like, it's any sport really, isn't it, really you know? And it's, it's, it's tough to, to kind of... I remember my, my coach wants to... He was having a chat with one of his previous fighters and he was saying, look, this is, this is it. And like I find it hard because even at a lower level, you get a lot of attention from your family, from your friends. I'm fighting this weekend in Cardiff. I'm fighting this weekend in Swansea. My my, my second fight was I was in a pub in Lenethi, and the fuss you get then it's nice, and then it only gets bigger and bigger. And, yeah. And to lose that at the end of your career, like even if you've done well, if you haven't done well, it's still tough because you haven't got that same buzz, and you go try and search for something else that will equal that buzz. You know. If all goes to plan. Uh, for any non-UFC f- fans out there, uh, just watch some fights on the weekend. Your your weight class now, the champion in your weight class is known as the pound for pound, the best, he, possibly the best ever he, martial artist. Sorry, he actually he, he's fighting a flyweight now, right? Okay, but okay. but he's he's open and going up the back. Yeah, yeah. So that's where like <laughs> it's a bit of me. He's like, yeah, you st- you stayed on your flyweight. Exactly. You know what I mean? And um, yeah. Will a point come? Because I, I, he will probably look to, to move up and see what happens with, with other fighters in that division. You, you're going to have a keen eye on the big fight in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Are you going to move up? Because you've had experiences of troubles with your weight and, and stuff like that. Is it is it not a case it's going to be healthier for you just to just to fight one one weight class up? Yeah, yeah. Um... I've I've had I've had the chat with my coach. Uh, we if, believe it or not, years ago we we even had a chat about flyweight. Yeah, you know that lack of stopping his tracks actually because I started struggling to make weight. Yeah, yeah. But um, the the one up for me is featherweight. That was the one that Conor McGregor was originally at. That yeah. was the one of Max Holloway's the world champion. <sighs> for me, it's it's taller guys, aren't they? Taller, bigger, bigger. Boys. That's what I mean. See, because like. For me, it's like the bantamweights are cutting from 70 kilos down to 61. Yeah. And then the guys who are fighting a featherweight are cutting from 76 to 60, uh, for 66s. And like, I'm not that big. I've And like, I think what it was back then when I was struggling was when I didn't know my way of cutting weight. But now I've got it. And every time I make, I, I, I fight, I make weight now, you know. I know my way of doing it. Yes, there's different circumstances. You can fall ill before weight cut and that won't, won't make you cut weight as, as easy. For example... The weekend, Kevin Lee struggled mm. to make the weight, you yeah. know. But the guy, had, I think the guy had staph infection on his chest, like you know. And staph infections are really, like, really, really for fighters, it's terrible. I remember yeah. a legend of the game who's, who's passed away, Kevin Randleman, who had holes in his near his lungs of the staph infection it was really bad, and like that will affect your weight cuts and stuff, and, and potentially can kill you. You yeah. know, I have been bad. I've been I've been hospitalized once through weight cuts, you know, and there's um. It's, it's tough and that's what I'm saying about the sports like I think a lot of guys just see the actual fighter in there just fight and they don't understand that there's a lot more work to do before that and I've the S4C documentary on you there's clips of you in the middle of your weight cut in the back of a car mm. where you, you do look half dead yeah you know and, and also I don't know if you've seen the last couple of days something on Twitter I think it was maybe a fighting organisation in Japan or something where this fighter had to be carried onto the scales. Yeah. It's it's, it, it's you're, dangerous, isn't it? Yeah, you're, you're, you're playing with fire there. Really. Yeah. It's like, it's it, and that's the thing though, it's like these, these these fighters will do anything to make that weight. 
Yeah. You know, and like, and if you don't make the weight, you get fined. And you know, and twenty five percent, like back in the days when I was fighting for two thousand pounds, it's not too bad. But when you're earning twenty, thirty, forty k a fight, million million pound a fight, a million dollars a fight, hundred million dollars a fight, that's a big, big lot of money. And like I said, you you need to make sure you you hit that bang on. And it's like it was nice. You all we were on about like failing and, and losing. When I was doing the weight cuts, that was happening. I was failing. And like, okay, I need to change something up here. Yeah. And that's why it's end up going better. Like I said, sometimes, and I tell, I tell, I tell the kids, I, t- I teach this a lot of the time, and they all look at me stupid. But sometimes a loss is not a bad thing. I think it goes for last night as well. Really, you know, it's not a bad thing. And uh, like when the wake, that's what I was like so much. Not, it was, it was not obviously. I prefer if I could go back and not feel it, I yeah. would. But it, but it happened. You've learnt from it, and it's made me a better fighter for that reason. Have you made any con? Have you had any contact since you've been in the UFC, maybe before, with any of the world's players? Um, no, I haven't. I haven't. Uh, I, 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 I speak to Jazz Richards a bit. Um, who's like obviously quite, quite easy youngster on the side, isn't he? Really. Um, that's about it. About Jazz and, and I think Marley as well. Yeah. I speak a bit with Marley. But that was it, and I, obviously I remember like, Ledley followed me a couple of days ago on Twitter, and that okay. was a big that was a big thing. We'll show Ledley, you know. Yeah, what I mean? yeah. He one of my, you know, one of my one of my favorite players to the side because I think it's because he embraces the crowd, and I think that's why I like him so much. I think that's why everybody likes him because yeah. he kind of pulls that that thing in, you know, like from the dance in in uh, in PSG's changing rooms to yeah. to. We were up malt over and the crowd was saying, Led Lee, give us a dance. And he give us a little dance, you know, obviously they, they got to like warm down after giving I remember, it. Yeah. And um and then they said Taylor and then Taylor starts doing the worm and stuff. And <laughs> I like that, you know, I like that sort of like they 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 trying to bring the crowd in and they make the crowd laugh and stuff. And that's why I like Ledley, you know, and he followed me a couple days ago. And I don't know, I remember my fight, me my brother is a like I'm a I'm a big fan. My brother Ashley and yeah. my younger brother Dan, they're massive watch football fans. And um, he said, you know, you should do after the next fight in Glasgow. You should try and pop with the Ledley. You should do the, the Ledley yeah. shuffle. I was like, yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember like being in the cage afterwards, and I remember going, oh yeah, I remember actually said with the Ledley shuffle. I tried to do. It. I was so tired after the <laughs> fight. I don't know what it looked like, and like he retweeted it. But like, no, I, I, I'd, I'd love to meet the players. And the thing is, is it'd be hard for me not to be a fanboy around it, though. You know, that's really. the ideal situation, though. In that you, you're traveling away to watch Wales, and when you fight, that one or two take a keen interest yeah, yeah. I, I tell you where you've gone wrong though you're fighting in the right place in Vegas yeah. but you're fighting in the wrong month so what it, you need to do is win win in December yes and then go again start of June, June. because that is yeah. that's Vegas territory I've, yeah. I've, I've been three yeah. times yes um, you know footballers tend to love they love that bit, Las yeah. Vegas. I remember stories about my mate um, being out there Franco and he said oh he said that Teddy Sheringham was like knocking the door and they would he'd go boys you come around tonight and he'd go out with Teddy Sheringham yeah. but um, yeah I'd like to go out there with the boys and meet the boys out there definitely you know it'd be a it'd be a hell of experience you you were talking um, about before you, your first fight with the UFC that you you were drunk three weeks before or something oh, yeah well I was I had a similar experience where Gary Speed was the manager of Wales I'd had a handful of caps, I think four caps under John Toshak, and then had been out of the squad for a long time. Moved to Norwich, wasn't playing much at all. Gary Speed had took over, hadn't been in any of his squads, so I thought, my time's, my time's gone. I'm stuck on four caps. That'll, that's my lot kind of thing. Norwich won promotion to the Premier League. The club paid for the, for the whole squad to go to Vegas. We had a big kitty of money, I think. 
paid for flights, paid for hotel, um, with a kitty of 25, 30 grand as wow. well to, to spend on parties yeah. and stuff. And I played, I played, played twice in the season, but I was still there with the boys, <laughs> loving it. One or two, I think Russell Martin, Scottish international, he just took it easy because there was international games coming up. Andrew Crofts, Welsh international, took it easy. One eye on the international wasn't even on my, it wasn't even on the horizon. I, I didn't expect it. So I just partied hard with the rest of the boys, enjoyed it. Um, I think we landed back in the country, had been back a day, phone call, but yeah, late late call up into the Welsh squad. So I'm thinking, oh, bloody hell. I've just been steaming a couple of days ago. Yeah. Um, thinking, okay, I'll, be, I'll probably be on the bench as usual. Starting, starting against Scotland in the Carling Cup of Nations in Dublin or something like that. And I was scared, to be honest. Yeah. You know, I hadn't played since probably for about four months or something yeah. like that. Um, but it's weird how sometimes the adrenaline just gets you just through. Get, oh, I'll get you through it. That's good, that's good enough sometimes. you know. I, I, I never took my career seriously until obviously, like I think it was like the... must have been like my fifth profile for a British title thing. And um, I enjoy, again, everybody knows, I enjoy having a little party, a little drink. You know, I enjoy being mm. with my friends. But like I said, when, now it's like eight weeks, it's like the cut-off point. But back in the day, it wasn't like that. You know, I remember... Remember, I remember being out like bank holiday weekend. It was like a, I was out Sunday night slash Monday. I was fighting on the Saturday, and this wasn't like an, as an amateur either. This was as a professional. Yeah. I was like two and zero, and I remember getting into the fight and being completely gassed out within four minutes of the first round. And uh, I've never felt a feeling like that. And after that, that's when I kind of had the turning point where you can't learning. Can't put yeah, of course yeah, can't burn the candle at both ends really, you know. Yeah. But you, it was uh yeah because it's a weird thing really where I think. There's so much judgment on all sports people, footballers, fighters, whatever. Um, but sometimes people need to take a step back and realise a lot of these guys are young lads from different different backgrounds. Just just because they're being paid a lot of money or whatever, they're, they're sort of playing sport or you know fighting at a high level. They're just normal lads, aren't they? And, and they can be led astray. And you you have to make those mistakes to learn from them. You you won't believe the amount of times I've gone out in Swansea, or gone out in Ponder, like just just to basically just, just to get my, my head away from the game. The amount of people that come up to me and go, "Shouldn't you be in training? Shouldn't you be?" And they just and I'm, I'm getting like I'm getting lectures from people who, who have never fought a day in their life. Who have, yeah. You know, like and there's like I never get trouble for starters because obviously you, you know obviously everybody knows what I do and. Um, but like yeah, it's 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 tough, man. People always gotta judge you for certain things. And I remember one guy going like, uh, I remember I've been really asked you about it really, and he was like, he said, shouldn't you be in, in the gym? And I, I can't remember for the life of me, I'd love to see him now, but I don't know what his name was. Like, I probably forgot what he looks like. He said, shouldn't, shouldn't you be in the gym? Are you never gonna make the UFC if you keep drinking? I'm like, I mean, I haven't been out for six months. Yeah. I'm on one drink with the guys, and now I'm getting, oh, you're never gonna make it. It's so easy for people to point the finger. Well, welcome to welcome to the the world of professional yeah. sport because I, I promise you, a very similar way. I used to hate almost coming home actually. Mm. If I lived away and I, I used to go go home to see my mates and go out for drinks, I felt it was worse at home than if I was playing for Norwich. Went out in Norwich, no problem. Swansea, I went out in Swansea, no problem. But back home, there was always that little judgment. Um, sometimes you felt instead of wanting someone to succeed, it was almost you'd go out and have a drink. And I always used to, I got in, I got loads of injuries, so that was always the thing, injury prone and stuff like that. And people would always have a little comment, yeah, like, why are you having a drink? No wonder you're injured all the time. 
used to hate it Slight dig. and not say anything back mm. um, until I retired. And then it was almost like the weight off my shoulders. Mm. Whereas now, if I go out and someone has a little dig, I feel I can say something back. Yeah. You know, the, the pressure isn't on. I have to behave or yeah. I have to act a certain way. Now, someone has a pop, it's, mm. you know, you, you, you can say something back. Yeah, it was, I said, the friends I originally started with, I'm still friendly with, but I'm definitely not as close as I am with them. Things change, times change, and like they, they, I don't think a lot of people understand the. And I'm not. I'm not just when I'm talking like this. I'm not all about just fighting as any sport at a high level. That your friends don't understand the the sacrifice that needs that needs to be done, and it's it's it's, it's tough, man. It's so tough. Like my best mates now, my training partners who have the same dreams as me, who understand what sort of person I am, who understand what I what they want is what I want, and. We're all in the same same wavelength, you know. We all punch punch lumps of each other all week, and then on the weekend, then we, we have a chat. Or if we haven't got fights, we go out and have a drink. But like, yeah, when I'm saying about going out on a Saturday night down in Swansea, I'd I'd have to answer the same three questions all the time. You probably find out with yeah. your same. When's the next game? Yeah. Uh, what, that, what happened Saturday? Yeah, yeah, and it, it's the same for me. It's all it's the same three questions all the time, and it, oh, it drives me nuts, but. As soon as you look at one of them guys, you go, do me a favour, mate. And then you get a tarnished up rush. And he's like, that guy's a muppet. You know, yeah. Brett Johnson's a muppet. And so I have to say the conversation. So it's, it's um, before I signed the UFC, it was, um, when's the next fight? How much the tickets? And uh, it was something else as well. It was another one. Uh, oh, so how's training? When's the next fight? And how much tickets? So now I have a laugh with it. Like So every time the, the guy's like, I remember the, I sat there when I went out. It was another two Saturdays ago, just out on the bond because I was in the house and all my girlfriend's working night shifts in the hospital. And guys would be like, oh, Brett, so you're fighting soon? And I go, yeah, December the 1st. They're like, oh, wow, who are you fighting? Joe Soto, good fight. And they go, how much are tickets? I don't know, about £100 a ticket. £100 a ticket, where is it? And I go, Vegas. And they go, oh, right. Okay, never mind then. You yeah. know what I mean? Because unless it's down the road, they don't care, like, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. It's a funny old, like, you come across so many different characters, um, who deal with that in a certain way, yeah. you know, some of the straight bat and they get into conversation. Alan Tate at Swansea was like <laughs> the most ruthless one. Anyone who knows him knows he's straight to the point, no messing about. So if any fan went up to him after a defeat and asked, uh, so what happened Saturday then? His, his answer would be, we lost, mate. <laughs> and that was it yeah. you know no conversation no uh, disappointing you know hopefully we'll be better next week just we lost mate yeah. you know because yeah. it, I, I don't know it's hard fans just want to make contact don't they and have that little conversation yeah. but sometimes players find it hard to hide that frustration it's yeah like you said some people like it's, it's hard to be that nice guy all the time Sometimes you just need to take a step back and go, look, just give me, give me five minutes, you know. I get days like that sometimes where I feel like, you know, I, I've had a bad in the gym or like the, the fight doesn't go my way. But I'll always try and be as civil as I can. I'll always, you know, try and make conversation for everybody. Because I, I've been that guy. I've been that guy who would always look up to his heroes and stuff, you know. And um, and you are um, now with the Wales. I you, am, if yeah. If you met Joe Ledley tomorrow, you'd I say, would go wild. Oh, what happened on there? <laughs> <laughs> lost, I've been mate. that guy, yeah. But um, that... It, it, I, I hate I hate being like that that sort of like fanboy but like if put it this way if I saw Demetrius Johnson you know and saw Joe Ledley I'd be more fanboy than Joe Ledley yeah. you know what I mean I've, I met I met these UFC fighters I spent years idolising them and watching them but like um, you're in the, you're in there with them now yeah. that's what I, I mean I, I, when I went to Vegas back in May they did the athlete um, athlete summit yeah 
there was loads of guys there. It was people from like um, Demetrius Johnson, who is the pound for pound. Forget Conrad. This is a this is the greatest fight to ever walk on this planet, in my opinion. You know him and John Jones, but John Jones can't uh, can't keep his parties and his uh, his his fighting life separately. Yeah. Um, but there was loads of guys at the time. I saw Fabricio with Doom, who who fought on the weekend as well. Mm-hmm. There was loads of guys there, and um, I I just look at them now was like, yeah, we fight for the same promotion. It's as if we're we're work colleagues. That's what we are. And it was, uh, it was good. It was good. It was very good experience to go out to, to Vegas and see all the fighters. We had like a private party with Snoop Dogg there, and it was amazing. But it was, um, they're not, they're not. I'm fans of them all, but I'm not like a if, if like like you said, if I saw Ledley, I'd go crazy. I'd be like, oh, let's do Ledley. Or I saw Joe Allen or something like that. I'd go, I'd go wild. But because um, it's a different world, isn't it? You, yeah, you it have is, to have yeah. your comp- I know you're not going to fight someone who's a heavyweight, but yeah. they're your colleagues almost now yeah really yeah you know even the even the baton weights i remember it was like five o'clock in the morning and i had a drink and it was like eight weeks before the Glasgow fight we were i was sitting there with aljamin sterling who's in my weight davy grant who's a guy from newcastle in my weight and a guy called andre Supentart, who's from florida who's also at my weight mm. and we were just all there on a laugh you know chances are i'll be fighting any one of them guys in after this fight you know what i mean but you know i, I even passed morales at that time i was fighting mitch gagnon who pulled up like three weeks before and i I had my fight scheduled then, and as we were walking past, I went, "Oh, how you doing, mate?" And he's like, "Yeah, cool." Did no six six weeks later, we're fighting each other in Scotland, yeah. you know. And um, that's the only bad thing about the sport sometimes that you know you do get pullouts and stuff, and you can fight anybody. Yeah. So sell the fight then, December the first, Vegas. Is it is it a Friday night? It's a Friday night, yeah. So it'll be um, early, early hours Saturday morning here. So it'll be like um, Friday night slash Saturday morning. It'll be about three. I'm guessing it'll be about two, three o'clock. But yeah, it's it's um it's in the Monte Carlo, which is across the road from the T Mobile Arena. It's the toughest fight I've ever ever gonna have. You yeah. know, it's a guy who fights stylistically I haven't fought someone like this before. I fight strikers a lot of the time, good good boxers, not wrestling. This guy is primarily a grappler with a strong submission game. He's fought in big grappling tournaments called like um Eddie Bravo Invitational, my teammate Ashley Williams has fought in that competition a few times. Yeah. Um it's a t- it's a tough fight. I'm realistic about things though you know I'm not a guy who is going to sit there and say I'm going to knock this kid out in three minutes if this fight finishes early for me it's a knockout I can't see me taking him down and subbing him because his grappling is very good just as good really you know but he's also a front footed boxer the only difference I see though his record's 18 and 5 three of his his, his five losses have been stiff KOs not like um, to the point where it's like the referee's corner off. He's gone unconscious three times, and um, that's where I see the difference. You know, yeah. it it, could, it can go anyway, realistically though. And uh, to promote the fight in any way, it's gonna be a fight because this is the way I think. People say, "Oh, like, as a fight, you should always think, okay, I'm gonna beat this guy, I'm gonna beat this guy." I've never thought like that. I've always thought about, okay, I, I think of different when I go to bed, I think of different scenarios. What happens if I win one night? Next night would be what happens if I lose. What happens if we draw? What happens if I lose by KO? What happens if I win by KO? What happens if I lose by submission? All these different sort of things. And I cover every single base and I feel good then. I've covered everything. Every sort of scenario. Every single scenario. Whether I draw, whether I lose by disqualification, everything. That's all I can tell people is this is going to be a fight. This isn't going to be um, a chess match, which people don't want to see. Like I said, the previous two fights, I'm looking for 50k. Of course, I'm looking for 50k. And the only way I see that is through fight of the night and I see it being an absolute 
bloodbath. You know, I do see it. You know, uh, and and I know for people who haven't, who who don't watch fighting, and I know it sounds very, very, very aggressive, and it sounds like a very violent sport. These guys representing the game are not violent people. They're good people with good families and with with good lives. But like, it's part of the game, and this fight will contain a lot of violence, a lot of blood, a lot of things. And mentally, that prepares me for the worst. Yeah. If I went in there and I said, okay, I'm going to knock this kid out in three minutes, and then I look up the round, there's four minutes gone in the first round, doubt starts to set in. Mm. If I go in and I think, well, this is going to be the hardest 15 minutes you're ever going to have, it's three five-minute rounds, this is going to be the hardest one you've ever had. Yeah. You're going to be in a lot of pain. You're going to probably break a few bones. Then if any of that does happen, I'm prepared for it. Yeah. If I could knock him out in three minutes, and then it's like, oh, well, yeah, it didn't happen on the next one. But I'm prepared for that, and I think it will go down. That I, I generally think it will go down that way. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a very tough fight. I'm realistic. This guy's fought for a UFC world title. This guy is the top 15 in the world, and it's that. And it's, and it's, it's time though. It's time for me. It's time for me to really go on the uprise now and start to aim towards that belt. Yeah. You know, it all seems unrealistic. It all seems unrealistic about a Welsh guy ever getting to a UFC belt, but it was always unrealistic. Last year, when Wales were going to make the semi-finals of the Euro, it was unrealistic. It's the same thing. But I, I know I give 100% every day. If I go in and I lose on the 1st of December, I've given 100%. If I go in and win this one to the next one, and my my job won't stop until I get that belt. I know I can get that belt. I know I can. I'm confident I can. And I will get to a point where I can get that belt. I'm putting 100% in. I can't do better than what I'm doing now. I'm training three, four times a day sometimes. How can I do better than that? Mm. And to the point where I'm losing sleep sometimes because I'm training so hard. You know, you're overtrained and you can't sleep. You're so overtrained. But I'm at that point now where I know that this fight's this fight's make or break. If I lose this fight, I go to the back of the queue. We got to work our ways again. Yeah. Now I've had 14 professional fights and I haven't lost. You know what I mean? I've got. I always said my mother. I give myself little goals. I was never. I never wanted to get to the UFC. That was never my goal. I. I was. I never won a lot of things as a kid. See. So when I started MMA, it was like I just want to win a belt. You know, that's all I wanted to do. And I went as an amateur, I went five and zero, and I won a Welsh title. I thought, right, we'll go pro then. And it, it was like steps I was always giving myself. Oh, I go pro. Wanna, well, I went five, four, no pro for British. I won a British title. Okay, let's, let's fight for a big company, Cage Warriors. Then let's fight for Cage Warriors. Had one fight with Cage Warriors. Stopped a Scottish guy, a very good Scottish guy, but it made it look like as if he was one of the easiest things I've ever done. And that's no disrespect to my opponent because he was very good. James McAllister was was a really good fighter who unfortunately doesn't fight so much now. He's got a little daughter he looks after and he's a nice guy. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a fight which I think the stars aligned that night. It was just one of them fights. I won the fight by um, by knockout in the second round, round and pound. And then they put me in a tournament for a world title. So I'd gone from just wanting to win a belt, which is a Welsh title, to now fighting for a world title. And then obviously that happened. And then we had a fight in Swansea, which was something I'd never done before at that, that level. It was main event in Cage Warriors. Then we got signed to an American-based promotion. Had two fights there, one that, and then got the call to the UFC. I've always given myself little goals. And obviously the little goals now is just do as much as I can. I'm getting to the top 15. Then the next goal is getting to the top 10. The next goal is getting to the top 5. And obviously the next goal is to win the belt. Nah, good. Well, I wish you luck. You know, I'm a, I'm a fan. Hopefully uh, a few of the Welsh, Welsh football fans and players will jump on and... Uh, Support you along the way. Anything else going on? I know you got some t-shirts. Uh, yeah, I got some t-shirts uh, for for well, it's for sale. Obviously on the Brett Johns website. You can go through the website from my like Instagram account, which is Brett Johns MMA. Um, got a couple of things lined up after the fight as well. I'm, obviously, I'm into my um, I'm into my rallying. Yeah. I got Wales Rally GB on the corner up in North Wales. Now that's um, the end of the month. 
Um, I'm, I'm actually buying a rally car at the minute. They'll probably get a few races after the fight in uh, in December. But other than that, it's uh, it's all training now into the fight. S4C have got a, a program on Rallyo. Yes, I yeah. love. I, 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 I we've spoke about this about uh, Emir Penland. Yeah. And uh, I think it's clean not cleanly. Cleanly. Yeah. Cleanly. Could, could be. Uh, you could be presenting that one. Imagine that, and I call you for years and promoting rally, <laughs> you know. But um, no, I, it's it's like I said, it's. it's uh, I've always got these bucket list things, and I'm, I'm not going to stop until. Give us one then, not the fighting, not the professional bucket list. Yes. The other side of it. Um, or is it to are compete? You keep, are you keeping it close to no, your chest? No, no, no. I'd say it's, it's, to, it's to compete in um, Wales Rally GB, not as a, not to try and win it, but just to be a competitor, and that, that would be a big thing for me. That's another one. But obviously, you need a lot of money for these cars. You know, okay. after, most of these cars are like half, half a mil, some of them are. But I'd like to to do just just the one. I'm not on about trying to make a career. I'm not going to go. Professional fighter, professional race car driver. I say to the guys, they go, "What's, what's your, what's your, uh, what's your job? What's your professional fighter, amateur race car driver?" Yeah. But um, no, Wheels Rally GB would be a would be a brilliant one. And um, now, nah, obviously, I'll, I'll keep watching Wheels in the meantime. And there's a lot, a lot of things going on. You know what I mean? It's, and I, but that's what I like as a person. I, I like to keep busy, so that's what I'm going to plan on doing. Uh, top man, once again, good luck on your fight. I'll, yeah. I'll certainly be watching and uh, appreciate you taking time out of your training schedule. Oh, thank you very much. Cheers, Cheers bro. There we have it. Episode two in the books. Huge thanks to Brett for his time. Uh, good luck to him on December the 1st. Hopefully we'll see him really start to progress now up that UFC ladder heading towards a title. Thanks to the bridge in Jan Genech for letting us sit down, have a couple of drinks uh, in on their on their spot. One of the best carveries in South Wales. Get onto that if you're ever passing. Uh, and the last thanks goes to Karil, Miriam and Steph for their hard work in creating that special little jingle at the start of the show um it's it's more than i expected certainly owe them a couple of drinks so thank you very much and thanks to you guys for listening hopefully you'll be back always welcome more feedback keep it coming always looking to improve um and get on itunes to subscribe all right just press that little button it's not hard it's not going to cost you anything get on itunes subscribe let these little podcasts download onto your phone or your device when you're sleeping. The Wi-Fi will take care of it. Thank you for listening. See you next time.